1: In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn, and the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Before the episode, we want to remind you that you can get to know Natalie and me a little bit better and learn more about the Murder Diaries by finding us at the Murder Diaries Pod on TikTok and Instagram. And you can reach us at the Murder Diaries Pod at gmail.com. And you can find us at the Murder Diaries One of our lovely UK listeners named Macy requested today's case.
0: It's about a 19 year old girl on her way to work who seemingly vanishes into thin air. One minute she's captured on CCTV, and the next she's gone. That was three years ago. Law enforcement and her family refuse to give up their search, but the passage of time has yielded very few leads and no answers, leaving just as many questions as the day of her disappearance. We want to state for this episode that it is still active, so the current call to action is for anyone who
1: knows something, who heard something to come forward. We certainly hope that we are doing our part and helping by sharing today. This is the story
0: of Leah Croucher. February 15th, 2019 starts like any other Friday at the Croucher family home, located in Emerson Valley, Milton Keynes, which is about 50 miles outside of London. Leah wakes up around 7.30 and goes through her morning routine, She opens the blinds, makes her bed, and gets dressed. She opts for black high-top Converse sneakers, black skinny jeans, a gray hoodie with Stuart B. Taekwondo printed in bold on the back, a black coat on top of that, and a quilted black backpack.
1: I, and I am sure many of our listeners, are wondering what the deal is with the Taekwondo sweatshirt. That's just not a type of sweatshirt that you typically see a lot of people wearing. I'm so glad you brought that up. Leah actually studied Taekwondo
0: alongside her brother and father for many, many years, and they often competed internationally. There are multiple photos of the three of them proudly posing in their dough box with black belts of multiple degrees, so I'll be sure to include one of these photos in our Instagram post. Overall, Leah's outfit is a cozy and comfortable ensemble. It's perfect for a chilly February morning, especially when there's still snow on the ground like there was on this day. Besides Leah, the house is quiet. That's because she's the only one home as her parents Claire and John Croucher have already left for work and her two older siblings Hayden and Jade no longer live there. Leah's actively saving money because she plans to follow in her siblings' footsteps and get an apartment with a friend in the very near future. She's excited for the independence an apartment would give, while still soaking in all the quality family time that living at home affords her. After all, the Croucher family seems to have been exceptionally close. Her siblings, Hayden and Jade, adored their baby sister and were always very protective of her. Now that she's ready, she heads out the door 30 minutes later at 8 a.m., beginning the two-mile trek to work. Leah walked to work most mornings. So again, this is a typical Friday for her. And according to her mother, Claire, Leah often varied her 30 to 40 minute route in an effort to stay safe. You know, not be predictable to anyone that may be laying in wait for her to walk a certain way, especially given the fact that 25% of Milton Keynes consists of Woodland. You just never know who could be hiding out there. Investigators later verified that Leah did in fact take a different route to work than the one she did the previous day, February 14th or Valentine's Day, thus confirming her mother's information. According to them, February 14th, she walked down Dolverton Drive and along Luxburg Drive under H7 Chaffron Way. Then she took a combination of Faraday Drive and the adjacent
1: roadways through Shenley Lodge and into Knoll Hill. Changing up your walking routes and when you walk those routes is literally one of the most common things that we see as true crime consumers. Even law enforcement touts it as a really important piece, especially for women.
0: So if Leah didn't walk the same route as the day before, which route did she take on the 15th? And how do investigators know? Fortunately, there was CCTV footage and it captured Leah in route twice that morning. The first instance is at 8.07 a.m. on Lee Hill, and it's pretty close to her home. She's captured on the screen for five seconds at most. It's so fast, if you blink, you'll probably miss her speed walking across the screen and past a parked white sedan in the corner. The second and final confirmed CCTV footage shows Leah walking down Buzzacott Lane in Firston. It's still pretty far from work, about a mile and a half, and it's nine minutes later at 8.16. Her hands are in her coat's front pockets as she walks by a hedge, and she's not going quite as fast as that first clip, but she still has a pretty good speed to her walk. 14 minutes later, at 8.30 a.m., marks the last activity on her phone. And then four minutes after that, at 8.34 a.m., Leah's cell phone turns off for the last time. 9 a.m. rolls around, and Leah never arrives at the finance company she worked at as an office assistant. Her employer calls her, but those calls go unanswered, which makes sense because we now know her phone was turned off at that point. The boss contacts Leah's parents, John and Claire, at the end of the workday, informing them that she never showed up for work and hadn't called in sick either. He was worried. After the call, John and Claire looked to their phones to check Leah's location, which she'd openly shared with her family, and their hearts sank. When they discovered that she had turned off the GPS location, on her phone the day before on Valentine's Day for the first time ever. They want to know why did she do that? Nobody but Leah knows. They then race to Leah's bedroom hoping that all of this was just some big misunderstanding that Leah was in her room and hadn't gone into work that day for whatever reason. But when they enter her bedroom, they don't find Leah. Instead, they see Leah's room perfectly put together, the way she left it every morning. The curtains are open. Her bed is made. Nothing appears out of place, and it's clear Leah never returned home after leaving. They then call Leah themselves, but their calls also go unanswered. John and Claire come to the realization that something is terribly wrong, as they're now living every parent's worst nightmare their child is missing. Claire reports Leah's disappearance to local authorities while John begins searching for his teenage daughter. Not long after the missing persons report is made, the investigation into Leah's disappearance officially begins. Law enforcement springs into action with all efforts led by Detective Chief Inspector Andy Howard. The community also bands together to aid in the search. Missing posters litter the area with the words, quote, have you seen Leah, unquote printed in large red letters accompanied by three photos of Leah. The first with her hair down, the second photo with her hair in a bun, and the third photo with Leah wearing black framed glasses. Leah's described on the flyers as white 5'2 of slim build with below shoulder length brown hair. Local news programs do their part and broadcast Leah's disappearance, resulting in three witnesses coming forward to report seeing a woman who fit Leah's description. They say that this woman was by Lake Furtston between 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m., hours after she was supposed to have arrived at work. And now a word about some of our podcast friends. The first eyewitness claims to have seen the distracted woman texting on her phone. The second and third witnesses were together, and they claimed to have seen Leah, or the woman they suspect to be Leah, between 10 a.m. and 10.15 a.m. around a sports pavilion in that same area except they say that the woman was angry and crying. They further claim to have seen the woman that they suspect to be Leah 20 minutes later. But this time, the woman was calmer, speaking to someone on the phone. Unfortunately, these sightings can't be verified. We all know that eyewitness accounts are highly flawed. And if this woman is actually Leah, then it calls into question the eyewitnesses' accounts of the woman using a cell phone. Remember what I mentioned earlier. Phone records show that Leah's phone was turned off at 8.34 a.m., hours before this supposedly took place. However, to play devil's advocate, the answer to that could be simple. There's always the possibility of her having a second phone, which the family publicly questions years after her disappearance.
1: It's important to remember here that with missing persons cases, a lot of it, until more answers come, is a bit of speculation and trying to figure out different theories of what could or could not have happened. Absolutely. And I think the distinction
0: here is that the family, at least according to the resources I consulted, all of which are in the show notes of this episode, is putting forth this possibility. This isn't a speculation made by me or you individually or us together as the Murder Diaries podcast.
1: It's such a fine line between... Not trivializing what a family that is grieving believes that happened, but also taking things with a grain of salt and not spreading information that has not been accredited.
0: But let's put a pin in that conversation because we're going to get into it in a bit. I want to talk a little more about the investigation. Investigators review upwards of 1,200 hours of CCTV, which is how they found the confirmed footage of Leah that I mentioned at the top of the episode, at 8.07 on Lee Hill and nine minutes later at 8.16 walking down Buzzacut Lane in Firston. Police visit a total of 4,000 properties in Milton Keynes, employing specialist search teams, drones, helicopters, marine units, and dive teams scouring lakes across the town all come up empty-handed every time. There's simply no trace of Leah making the phrase vanished into thin air. Feel all the more real. According to Detective Chief Inspector Howard, there's been, quote, an excellent public response resulting in 600 pieces of information reported from members of the public across the UK, Europe, and Australia. He continues, however, none of them have provided a significant lead to allow us to establish what's happened to Leah, unquote. However, that hasn't stopped the search as investigators explore all possibilities, including, did Leah harm herself? Did Leah leave on her own accord? Did someone Leah knows harm her? Or did a stranger abduct her? I don't know. Leah's family doesn't know, and neither does law enforcement. That's why it's so, so, so important to share these active missing persons cases Because there could be someone out there who saw or heard something and hasn't realized it yet. Or someone who needs the courage to stand up and say something. This family is missing their daughter, their sister, and she deserves to be found. There's a lot that we don't know about this case. But here's what we do know. Leah wasn't herself in the days, weeks, and months leading up to her February 15th disappearance. The Daily Mail reports the typically confident and loving 19-year-old who preferred to stay home, Snapchatting friends, reading YA novels, and watching movies had become increasingly quote, anxious, short-tempered, and secretive, unquote. These words seem very harsh, but they mark the major shift in Leah's normal temperament. The same girl whose parents had to convince her to go out to a bar for her 18th birthday, which is the drinking age in England, where they bought her her first legal pint, was now more secretive, at least according to the Daily Mail's report, with her social outings around Milton Keynes and even lying to her parents about her social activities, which had never, ever happened before. Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, the Croucher family really seemed to have shared close relationships one another. They were open and honest, and they even shared GPS locations. I mean, how more honest can you get? None of the resources give a clear reason as to why. Why was Leah acting this way when she had never acted this way before? However, some resources hint at a new romantic relationship that had started the summer before summer 2018 as being the cause. Specifically, Leah's involvement with an older engaged coworker whose name has never been released publicly. Leah's mom, Claire recalls learning of her daughter's relationship. She told UK news outlets, quote, Leah was talking about this man all the time. It was X this and X that. It was obvious that she had a soft spot for him. She'd go and see him in the evenings paying 13 pounds each way for his taxi, unquote. It's not clear whether or not Leah's parents explicitly told her to stop seeing the man. I mean, Leah's an adult at 19 years old and John and Claire Croucher don't seem to be the type of parents who are overbearing and tell her what to do. However, her mom, Claire, acknowledges that she strongly warned against the pairing, worried that her daughter would be left heartbroken, something that no parent wants their child to experience. Leah's mom, Claire, is also quoted as saying, quote, I remember saying to Leah, don't you go falling for him. He will never be yours, unquote. Her parents were soon relieved when Leah informed them that she had ended the relationship months prior to her disappearance. At least that's what she told them. I say that because Leah's secretive outings continued despite supposedly having broken up with the man. According to The Sun, a UK publication, Leah claimed to have booked a hotel room at Jury's Inn Central Milton Keynes on February 3rd, 2019. It was a little under two weeks before her disappearance. She told her parents she planned for a night out with two girlfriends, but her bank statement shows she booked a room at the Travelodge instead. And when investigators later questioned those two friends about the evening, the girls admitted they hadn't been with Leah that night. So who did Leah meet at the lodge on February 3rd? We don't know. But authorities would love to find out because maybe, just maybe, it could help shed light on what happened to Leah. Then on February 14th, 2019, the day before Leah's disappearance, she turned off her location services on her phone as she walked home from work. She arrived home at 5.45, which was normal, and she changed into joggers and a long-sleeved shirt before telling her family that she was going to see a friend. She was gone for an hour and 15 minutes, from 6 p.m. to 7.15. When she returned home, the rest of her night resumed as normal, and nothing raised her parents' concern. Her parents last saw her when she went to bed at 10 p.m., and her mother, Claire, remembers that it was the last time she ever got to tell her daughter goodnight. Investigators would later find out that Leah never met the friend that she had told her parents she was meeting. So who did she meet? Again, we don't know. These are two events that continue to baffle investigators. If Leah had ended her relationship with the older engaged coworker, what was she hiding? And if that relationship had been reignited or a new relationship had taken its place, there'd be proof of it, right? At least that's what the Croucher family believes and why they believe Leah may have had a secret phone. Remember I said we'd touch on it again? Well, it turns out when investigators got their hands on Leah's phone records, they were surprised to find zero evidence of a secret relationship. Here's what Leah's mom, Claire, says about the situation. Quote, you'd think there would be evidence on her phone records of a secret relationship, but there is nothing. But then we know she always used Snapchat and the chats are wiped out on that, end quote. And this is where we return to that conversation we started earlier. If the eyewitnesses are to be believed that they saw Leah on the phone by the Furtston Lake, then it's a real possibility she may have had a second secret phone that no one knew about. Before we get any further, it's also essential to note that police do not suspect Leah's ex-boyfriend. They have interviewed him and confirmed he has an alibi for the time that Leah went missing. So why am I mentioning him at all? Well, whether he's involved in Leah's disappearance or not, he's still part of her story. In fact, he's even part of Hayden's story as well. It turns out that Leah's older brother Hayden threatened the man after Leah vanished sending him a constant stream of abusive texts between February 1st and April 30th. The ex-boyfriend became so worried for his safety that he eventually informed authorities who arrested Hayden and brought him before Aylesbury Crown Court Judge Francis Sheridan. The judge granted the ex-boyfriend a restraining order preventing Hayden from approaching within 25 meters of Leah's ex. The judge also acknowledged the heartbreaking situation Hayden and the rest of the Croucher family had found themselves in. MK Citizen reports Judge Sheridan made the following statement at the trial. Quote, The police have fully investigated the person you suspected. There is, at this stage, nothing to support those suspicions. Can I plead with you to behave so that police can complete this investigation? I would love to say with a happy ending, but I simply do not know she is missing. I cannot go into details of the police investigation, but can tell you it is being controlled at a very high level. It is detailed, and if I respectfully say so, they really are trying desperately hard. You must allow them, however strongly you feel, to do the investigating. You will jeopardize their investigation if you get it into your head that somebody is responsible for it." End quote. Hayden heeded the judge's words, leaving Leah's ex-boyfriend alone and allowing investigators to do their jobs, but he couldn't escape the grief he felt as a result of his little sister's disappearance. He struggled for nine months until he just couldn't handle the pain any longer. He reached out to his therapist for help and, as a result, was brought to Milton Keynes Hospital for assessment, but he was sent home due to a shortage of beds. Not long afterward, on November 16th, 2019, Hayden died by suicide. He was only 24 years old. In the three years since Leah went missing, there's been no contact, no additional confirmed sightings, no financial transactions, no social media, and no phone activity. But investigators refused to give up on Leah and the Croucher family. When the traditional investigative routes failed to deliver leads, investigators employed untraditional tactics. They liaised with local community groups and online forums, and one in particular, the Leah Croucher disappearance community investigation may have proven useful. When police issued yet another appeal to find a woman of, quote, similar description, unquote, to Leah on February 15th, 2019, the day she went missing, local sleuths uncovered a photo, albeit distant and blurry. But this photo was of the woman dressed in black at Lake Fertston, the same woman the eyewitnesses believed to be Leah. The photo of Unknown Origins was taken at 1051 on the morning of February 15th, 2019. The same time frame that that woman eyewitnesses described as Leah was at Lake Fertston. Detective Chief Inspector Howard said, quote, Although it was impossible to say if the picture was of Leah, It was the first time reports of someone near the lake could be corroborated. In addition to the photo of the woman in black by the lake, police released another image of a woman with a dog that they would like to speak to as a part of their investigation. Their hope is that this woman may have seen something on that fateful day, but they won't know until she reaches out or recognizes herself in the photo. Within days of recording this episode, New information has come out about a possible sighting of Leah shortly after her February 2019 disappearance. An eyewitness has come forward claiming she saw a girl who could have been Leah at an airport with a, quote, controlling man. However, until authorities involved in Leah's investigation come forward and corroborate the story, we need to proceed with caution and take every rumored sighting with a grain of salt. With that being said, what we know hasn't changed in three years. Leah Croucher is missing. Now's the time to speak up. If you have any information regarding Leah Croucher's disappearance, please contact the Thames Valley Police Department and reference number 4319 or Operation Dollish. There's a 20,000 pound reward for information leading to Leah being found. The Croucher family released a statement in February 2022 regarding their daughter's disappearance and the ongoing search for her. Their message is powerful and the love they have for Leah is palpable. While I can't read it in its entirety, I'd like to read an excerpt as we end today's episode. The family writes, quote, It is inconceivable not to worry every second of every single day. Sleep fills an elusive character each night. Waking each morning, we never feel rested and refreshed. Each time the phone rings or there is a knock at the front door, our hearts still leap in our chests. That familiar surge of hope springing up in our throats, that familiar wave of despair that crashes over our very souls each time it is not the police or Leah herself knocking at the door or calling on the phone. Again, we ask for the public's help. You have all been so wonderful so far, still helping us search every face in the streets to see if they are Leah, still sharing on social media, still reporting possible sightings to the police. We ask you to search your phones for pictures taken on the evening of February 3rd, 2019 outside the Jury's Inn Travel Lodge and the morning of February 15th, 2019 in the Furtston area. Search your memories to see if you can remember one thing that may help the police in their search. Please contact the police with anything you know, even if it seems small and insignificant. You are our only hope. You always have been. Leah, we only want to know you are safe and well. All you have to do is walk into a police station and tell them who you are and ask them to pass the message on to us that you want to stay away. You choose to remain apart from all who love and cherish you, that you do not want to come home. Please. We miss you so much. We're so worried about you. If you left us all that day, please let us know that it was your choice because until that day happens, we will not stop. We will continue with social media posts, the TV and radio and press interviews, the begging for news and information. We love you too much to give up and stop looking for answers. Unquote. I
1: think that's where we'll leave this episode. Until our next, you know where to find us at The Murder Diaries Pod on Instagram and TikTok at themurderdiariespodcast.com and themurderdiariespod at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts,
0: Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing.
1: Your five stars mean everything. And until then... Stay safe. Bye. Bye.